Hi, this is Mark Schiff, or you don't know Schiff, with my illustrious co-host. Is that a good word? Illustrious co-host, very handsome, very debonair, very young, very talented, Will Benjamin. I don't mean to cut you off, so you can keep going. Yeah. And uh, today we're doing a talking Schiff. I just got back from New York City, where I went with my wife for uh, four days. It was her birthday, and uh, to celebrate the birthday... I uh, did four shows at the Beacon Theater for 12,000 people, uh, headlining uh, Jerry Seinfeld was the headliner. He goes on after me. Uh, he's very popular, very popular and young fellow. So we did four shows at the Beacon Theater, celebrated my wife's birthday. Uh, she turned the big, yeah, and uh, she's, uh, she's good. So the Beacon Theater. I had played the Beacon a couple of years ago with, with Jerry, and I had not been back. I started in New York City. I'm a New Yorker. My blood is in New York. But for some reason, I was thrown when I went to the Beacon five years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt like, like a stranger, like I was coming back, but I didn't belong there. This time was different. This time I owned it. I owned the stage. Jerry was spectacular. You know, when you do four shows for like 3,000 something each show, um, and and we're not working out regularly, like, you know, every day like we used to. Like, you, if you want to be a great comedian, if you want to be a, a good comedian, if you want to be a comedian, you need to appear every day, at least five days a week, multiple shows, six days a week, seven days a week for years, and then... If you're lucky, you'll, you'll grab a hold of this thing. But as you get older, you don't go to the clubs as much every night. So uh, the first show, you're a little stiff. Still good. But by the fourth show, third, fourth show, we were rocking. And it was it was, it was was so much fun. Um, so did you do two shows a night? Two shows a night. And the Beacon is a very old theater. A lot of these theaters are old around the country. Um they put us all the way, the dressing room is on the seventh floor and they have an elevator operator that, <laughs> this is how old it is. And and this elevator operator, nice man, looks like he's been there since 1927 himself. And they got a, you know, the elevator operator comes on, you know, he's in there just in this little tiny room that barely fits three people, this elevator uh, room. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he takes you up and he lets you up and then you ring the bell and he comes back and uh, he takes you down. Um, so where where is the Beacon Theater exactly? It's on Broadway, in uh, on Seventy Fifth between Seventy Fourth and Seventy Fifth Street in Manhattan, mm-hmm. and it holds about thirty two hundred people. <clears throat> and these were the most fantastic crowds. They're, they're just. Um, <clears throat> I opened with a bit about get out of here. You, you smell all the marijuana out here. When you, you're driving around, walking around, right? You smell it all? Yeah, cars you hear it smell it a lot. You smell it a lot. You you know, you, you drop your kids off at school. The, the, <laughs> the teachers principal. come say hello. They stink from yeah. weed. Yeah, you know, everybody, everybody, everybody's. So I opened with New York City is just inundated with marijuana smell. It just smells like, like they're doing a burn. Like, remember, like, when you, like in the six, 60s and 70s, they used to do these marijuana burns. They would find, like, 40 tons of marijuana and burn it in some field, and everybody oh, would no. smell it. I remember New York the album like. burnings. 
Okay, album book burning. Well, they did a marijuana. <clears throat> when they confiscated marijuana, they used to light it on oh, fire. I see. I see. And all these uh, drug enforcement agents were stoned out of their minds standing there right. while they were burning <laughs> 40 tons of weed. <clears throat> so that was my opening line. I go, it's going to be back in New York City. And I'll tell you, I haven't smelled this much weed since. Uh, and they just started clapping when I said that. <laughs> of course, they all smell it. Because they were all stoned. There, so what, that's what I said. I said, I walked over four blocks. I am stoned out of my mind, ladies and gentlemen. I'm like old fashioned. Ladies and gentlemen, I call them. Mm-hmm. I know there are other genders to call people now, but I do stick with the ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I said, all the edibles. Everybody's with the edible. Edibles. Every, every edible. I said, when I was growing up, the only edible that we had was edible underwear. <laughs> Two chicken panties and you don't even need dinner. You're done. And I said, there's one unedible, one that is universal throughout the world. Kale. Everyone hates kale. It's unedible. It's like eating a washcloth. (laughs) So that was my opening at the Beacon. And they... uh, They ate it up. Fran Lebowitz, the writer, Mm -hmm. she was on uh, Bill Maher's podcast... And she was talking about a friend, because New York smells so much like weed. This hmm. woman, she pays this tremendous rent to her friend. She's on the second floor apartment in New York City. And every day, there's like a dozen people standing outside her window smoking weed. She mm-hmm. had to seal up her windows, can never open the windows again. Her whole house smells like uh, a Mexican pot farm. <laughs> and she's paying like, you know, $9,000 a month. Right. So anyway, the beacon. So Go so ahead. tell me, so Jerry's lives in New York now, right? So he didn't yes, travel he to get to this show. So t- tell us how how does this work? Like you fly out there from LA. Do you when, when do you meet up with Jerry and and how does so it? How so does it all for the New York happen? gig, it's a little different. But mm-hmm. I, I fly from uh, LA. I flew from LA to New York mm-hmm. to Newark. They got a car like a limo type of or an SUV waiting for me. I was with my mm-hmm. wife this time. And we did all carry on. We are we are we are moving into the twenty. What century is this? Twenty first. I think it's twenty sixth. For the last fifty years, I've checked my luggage. I mm-hmm. am done checking luggage. I don't care if, if I'm going away for three years. Right. I am not checking luggage anymore. I like it. Yeah. I always think like you could always just go to the Gap or something if you need clothes when you're somewhere. It's not worth. It's it's easier to do that than to check luggage. Yeah. You you can do that. Uh, the the problem with with the the carry on is the suit, right? And I have but to. Wear can't you a crisp. just tuck it right when you walk on the plane? You hand them the suit and they put it in the. Not where I sit. Where, well, where but even you if you're sit. not sitting in up front, they'll let you do that. Usually, with suits, I think. So that's the problem because you're only allowed one carry on and one personal item. Right. Which is you know. I, I once did this with the, uh, you know, if I, I, I showed her a, uh, you know, a, uh, one of those things women use. I go, this is this my personal item? And she didn't think it was funny. <laughs> you know, I had another joke, by the way. You know, you ever see people that vape? All the smoke comes out of their face. Mm-hmm. Tremendous amount of smoke pouring out of their head. I yeah. said, the first time I saw it, I threw a bucket of water on the guy's head because I thought he was on <laughs> fire. It's a good joke, right? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> But I like how so, they, uh, do you ever notice the people that vape, they take the vape in, like they almost like don't want you to see it. Yeah. They do it kind of like undercover 
and then they let out the largest plume of smoke you've ever seen. I don't know why the environmentalists aren't coming down on these people because they clearly are the one that are causing the uh, you know the global warming stuff. Yeah, I think it's them. Probably a billion people right vaping, there. all spitting that toxin up in the air. Yeah. So we land in Newark. Car mm-hmm. comes, and he puts us, and it, it, it takes us to the Ritz, the Ritz Carlton, mm-hmm. on 59th Street. And he, Jerry put us up there for. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Checked out Sunday. It's very nice. And I it's right on the been, park there, right? Right on. It's so gorgeous. We had a beautiful view of the yeah. park. Had a bathtub, which I ask for every room I go to. Anytime I you check need into the bathtub. Wanna, and I don't care who was in that bathtub. I don't care if there was a triple murder in that tub. Right. With the people before I got in there, I'm getting in that tub. Even if those people are still in the tub dead, I'm climbing right. in. Even if they have the tape surrounding the tub. Yeah, the yellow tape. And I carry with me, ba- I carry my bath salts with me. Mm-hmm. And I forgot my bubble bath, so I just pour the whole shampoo bottle in. <laughs> I get my, bob- my bubbles there. I, lo- I love the bubbles. Mm-hmm. And then I was reading... And is uh, your wife amused by this? The problem with my wife is she has a regular full-time job mm-hmm. that she goes to eight, nine hours a day. So when she travels with me, she sees I'm in the bathtub in the middle of the day right. reading a comic book. She says, what kind of job is this that you have? Yeah. I'm killing myself in the office. You know, People call me day in and day out. I'm stressed out and you're in a tub. And then after that, you take a nap and you call this a work day? Yeah. So I thought maybe you uh, ease up on the tub hours when, you, when your wife is there. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, now we went down to have breakfast mm-hmm. at the, the little, uh, Ritz, even though they're paying for my, my breakfast, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to order $25 oatmeal, right. $14 cup of tea, yeah, $11 cup of coffee, $16 little tiny bowl of fruit. Yeah, $40, two fried eggs. Yeah, no, that's all That's all crazy. But meanwhile, the restaurant was packed. I'm, you know, I'm looking around and go, where do these people get this money this, for this $250 breakfast? Well, I do think most people there are paying, uh, like corporate, you know, everything's being charged to some company of some kind. But um, a lot of them look like they were on like some sort of dates, you know, or like, uh, I you know I, I I know what you're saying. Yeah. So so, the, so then where does it go from there? By the after way, the you, second after you refreshed yourself in the tub. Let me just say the the break we caught the second breakfast we went down there for. Mm-hmm. We ordered a banana. Okay. Which I think was ten dollars, but they <laughs> forgot to bring the banana. So when I said to the waiter, "We forgot the banana," he goes, "Breakfast is on me." Wow. Yeah. So now that's going to be your line everywhere you go. You forgot the banana. Where's the banana? Boom, free <laughs> breakfast. Where's the banana, ladies and gentlemen? If you maybe that's code in the industry. I'll tell you the difference between the rich and other places. I once found a uh, water bug in my drink, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't even wave their dinner. At the Ritz? No, no, at a, uh, oh, a restaurant. Oh, a yeah. Water bug, like two inch long water bug, really thick. Yeah. So okay, so and from the vegan. Ritz, what you, what's your question? Well, so then where do you go? How do you? 
how, how does it, how do you end up at the theater? And then do you, when do you see Jerry first and you guys hang so out? So I see him at the theater. The show? So uh, Kevin okay. and I go over to the theater early. Mm-hmm. He's got some stuff to do. I go up to the dressing room. I go over my notes, go over my new uh, marijuana routine, you know, for the, mm-hmm. you know, kill the people. And uh, Jerry comes in around 630 and the show starts at 715. So we sit in the dressing room. We talk for a uh, half hour. Mm-hmm. Then I leave him alone. So, he goes goes over his notes. When you talk, do you guys ever talk about like the material, or is it more just like you guys have already got your sets memorized and you're just catching up? So, so we talk about everything. That's a good question. Uh, we talk about material mm-hmm. that we're working on. We talk about anything new we're trying to introduce to the show that night, mm-hmm. and we talk about what's relevant in our life. Like this particular week, we have a friend that's uh, taken ill. And he's a good friend of mine, a good friend of Jerry's, and a good friend of uh, Kevin Dockerman. Mm-hmm. And we spent time talking about him. And then when I went on stage, the, the producer introduces me. He goes out and introduces. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a good friend of Jerry's, Mark Schiff. He's a blah, blah. And I said to him, uh, this show today, I'm dedicating to my friend. And then when the show was over, I said to Jerry, did you think about him when you were on stage? He said, every second. Uh, do you want to uh, dedicate this episode to him as well? I do. But I don't want to give out the name, you know, oh, because okay. Um, okay. I don't want to, you know, maybe sure. the family doesn't want everybody to know that he's, he's ill. Oh, I see. So at the show, you didn't name him by name. To each other, we did, of course. To each other, right, but the audience didn't know who it was. No, I didn't do God. that. And I don't go out and say to the audience, this is dedicated. I just, it's one of those in-your-heart things. Got it, got it. In-your-heart, you're thinking, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm dedicating this. So I go out and do my show, and uh, we had some great shows. And then mm-hmm. after I'm done, I, I take a bow. Jerry makes fun of me because I take a deep bow. I'm a big bower. <laughs> okay. And he goes... Uh, he goes, uh, you're doing those Pavarotti bows again, aren't you? <laughs> you know, where Pavarotti does the sweeping with yeah, the arm and sure. he, he bows. For a fat guy, he could bend pretty far down. Yeah. I cannot bend as far as Pavarotti was able to bend. Wow. You know, for all that pizza and pasta that he eats, he was able to go almost touch the ground. So how long uh, are, is your set and then how long is Jerry's set? Mine's about 15, 16 minutes, and then Jerry does about an hour 10 or so. Okay. About 15 um, and then he brings me out and we take a bow together. I do, but we bow simultaneously together. We, we, we coordinate the bows, but he does and we shake hands deep, on stage. You do a less deep bow when you're there with him. Yes. We, we bow similar. Okay. And then we, sh- we shake hands on stage and I always say something to him mm-hmm. like, Hey, great show. Or that was really funny. Like mm-hmm. when I'm, when, when I'm, what's your name again? Yeah. What's your name or how'd you get out here? <laughs> um, and then we go back up to the dressing room as we're walking up. Uh, you know, I generally tell them uh, what a great show, and it generally must always is. Funny about comedians because sometimes we don't think it's as good as it is. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't like a sex thing. You know, where it's always great. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Where I never you- miss. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? You've been there. Uh-huh. I don't mean. Right, I've never never been there, um, but uh, so when you say you don't think it went as well, is that based on audience reaction or just the way you tell the jokes or what? What's no, your... it's not based on audience. You, you kind of know when you're a little stiff that night, or you just mm-hmm. didn't give it the thousand percent, or you're 
you know, you're a little under the radar or you're working on a new routine and it didn't, you didn't frame it exactly right. Yeah. And then at the end of the, uh, the fourth show, Jerry takes us out to dinner and we go to a lovely restaurant. Are you allowed to say the name of the restaurant? Uh, the one we went to this time was called Capizzi, which is a, uh, a pizza, a pizza place. And we, we go in there and there's like six or eight people in there already eating so they can stay. And then when they leave, they lock the door and it's just the three of us in the restaurant. Oh, wow. Not even, not even the wives. No. <laughs> it's very Frank Sinatra-ish. You know, when Frank Sinatra used to go to these restaurants, they would close it down for him. Right. Right. Um, and, do you uh, ever go? And, yeah. Do you ever go to dinner like with him and his wife and your wife? Is that ever? No, and I don't go to dinner with just his wife, or he doesn't <laughs> go with just my wife. It's not that type of relationship. Doctor men with just the wives. No, um, we have gone out together. We have uh, gone to parties and stuff like that together, but we don't really socialize as couples together. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, uh, you know, which is fine, you know, the, you know, because Jerry and I are friends and, and we get, the, you know, the wives are in different circles. Sure. So. So when that's the, the next, go ahead. This week, I, I'll be with them again in uh, Austin and Dallas. Austin, Dallas. Okay. So we should Four shows. Another... So we should be, we should be hot because we're just coming on the heels of this. Yeah. And we should do another talk about that because I'm curious, like the difference between like you know, New York shows, which is his hometown. So it's obviously like, you know, I assume the dynamic is a little different, you know, in terms absolutely of time different together and travel. And um, I'm trying to figure out how to do the marijuana routine because I can't say I'm walking around New York city and I smell the marijuana. So I, right. I'm You'll have to say to, you went to Austin. So he's going to be here in Austin. I've never smelled so much weed in my life. <laughs> we'll see if that works. Yeah. There's a college over there. So there we go, baby. You know, the, the Beacon Theater, it's, 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 it's a, one of the honors about playing these theaters too, mm-hmm. like people that I, the Allman Brothers appeared at the Beacon 200 and I think 48 times, 248 uh-huh. sellout shows. Uh-huh. Bob Dylan's been at the Beacon Theater. Yeah. Every luminary, every rock artist, and they, they got pictures on the wall of, you know, the boss, Springsteen and. Jackson Brown and they're yeah, all there. No, that's a that's a big theater. That's why uh, we we thought it'd be a cool to have a special talk about it because that's such a an iconic, famous, you know, famous theater. So that's really cool. Uh, thank well, you thank for you for asking. Your, your I appreciate stories. this. Is yeah, yeah. And then uh, you know, this is a talking shift, which is part of our you don't know shift podcast, and we'll be back with uh, one of our guest episodes next time and uh we'll also catch up with mark after he goes on his next uh, show tour with seinfeld and we'll kind of hear about more about what it's like to be on the road uh very soon thanks so much everybody thank you thank you Lowell. thank you folks for tuning in to you don't know shift a special talking shift